This is Behind the Benchmark, a bonus episode series where we try to answer questions and explore topics inspired by benchmark data. We're going to be covering um, YouTube benchmarks for B2B today. And basically, let me let me read these off because it, it sets the stage for how well Ahrefs is doing in this. So um, when we look at our benchmark data, YouTube benchmarks for B2B, May 2023, I'll put a link to it in the show notes for any listeners who want to go check this out themselves. Um, the median or average views are 2.1 thousand. The top quartiles getting 29 thousand. This is all per month, so in in May. Uh, likes medians getting 16. Top quartiles getting 151 a month. Comments medians just getting one. Top quartiles getting 64. And new subscribers medians getting 20. Top quartiles getting 79. If you're interested in doing a YouTube channel for your brand, specifically if you're in B2B, you need to go to YouTube and search Ahrefs and click on their channel and look at what they're doing. Um, They are my go-to example of YouTube done right. Uh, For any company, like I said, let alone B2B, they've had the channel since 2015, published, it looks like 283 videos, have 412,000 subscribers. They've racked up over 19 million views. Um, so yeah, Sam has graciously, you know, been willing to come on and answer some questions about strategy behind that, how they've done that. And hopefully you can learn something and, and take away from that. So, um, let's, let's start here, Sam. I want to start with some questions around the content that you choose, um, and the topics, how do you, what's the process that you use? Like to set the stage, I know a lot of like what I see most, especially B2B SaaS companies, right? They start by leveraging YouTube for like async product education. So it's like, okay, we've got a demo video. We want to walk people through the power of our product or what features or how to use it, or like a customer education one-on-one and they'll start there. Um, but merging into this thing, that's like, some would call it like demand creation. Some would call it brand education. Like when you're educating people in the category, what, what's the process for you identifying topics that you think is going to resonate with your audience. And specifically, I'd love to hear how you think about where's the, where's the overlap of like it needing to be close enough to the product without pitching it, um, to make it worth doing the video, but uh, like, obviously can't be like product education. Right. So how, how do you set that process? Yeah. So I think there's a lot to unpack there. So originally when we started, um, I guess, so Tim started off as kind of like his own series and show and whatever, and then eventually lost, like he was involved in in many different things. And so his focus was no longer on YouTube. And so I think what many people do, Ahrefs included, is they use YouTube as a video hosting platform. Um, But it's really so much more than that, right? Uh, And so when we choose topics, at least in the beginning, this has evolved quite a lot. Uh, We did much like you said, we started off with product education videos, we're doing different demos and uh, different features of that. The problem with that though, so I started in um, early 2018. So I think the first video I published for the channel was March, 2018. And for like two months, we did that. And I think everyone was surprised at how positive the feedback was. But the problem with that is that we stay within people who know Ahrefs, right? So there's a small circle of people who know Ahrefs. And when we publish videos, those people that know Ahrefs and are customers of Ahrefs and have access to Ahrefs are able to gain value from it. So it's good for like a retention tool. It's good in teaching our existing users how to use our tool, new ways to do it, and all that stuff is good. But the problem is we can't expand out of this bubble or it grows so slowly 
that it's not really noticeable. And so I think in May, I think it was May of 2018, May or June of 2018, uh, I mentioned to Tim, I said, I think we need to do something different. And so I think YouTube SEO, it seems not that difficult from what I've read. Uh, I think this makes sense to try. And we tried it. And at that time, there was like no competition. Like no one was doing YouTube for B2B and SEO in 2018. And so we were lucky in that sense that, you know, we were able to grow very quickly like that. And that was the majority of uh, content that we created in the beginning was search focused. So we focused on YouTube search and we also focused on Google search because at this time, Google was showing videos more in um, search features. There were video search features. And so we grew very quickly because of this. And we basically directed as much traffic to YouTube as we could, but we did not direct traffic off of YouTube because that does not work very well because there's a metric, apparently a metric called session watch time. And so basically you want to keep people on the YouTube platform as long as possible, binging our content. And eventually their algorithm is going to start suggesting more videos on their homepage. Um, There's more touch points. Basically people subscribe et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now today, now that we have over 400,000 subscribers, which is pretty like, I, I still don't really believe, I don't really think about it too much, but it's changed our content strategy because we now rank for in the top two or three for pretty much every keyword we want to rank for. We rank for SEO, search engine optimization, keyword research, link building, tech, like technical SEO, online marketing content, like you name it, we're somewhere there. It's it's tough to miss us. Um and so now we've focused or we are trying to focus on shifting that to a little bit more of an audience interest-based content. So right now, all the rage is AI, ChatGPT. It's not that we're going all in and just creating an AI channel all of a sudden because all these subscribers that we've built are interested in SEO. And so how does how do things like ChatGPT or Bard or whatever, uh, Google's new search experience, how does that all relate to our existing audience and how can we bring new information to them? So we're not necessarily looking at search volume, but we're now shifting towards trends. So it's a little bit of both. And and having the search side to it is the evergreen part, which helps to um, uh, create demand, as you said, for new customers uh, in discovering what our products are and how they help solve their problems. And then the other content is now to draw in bigger audiences that may not know about Ahrefs in a different way. So it's where we're trying different things and we're not quite there yet, but yeah, we've got the search part down and now we're into that audience area. Now, will you, I've got a a couple questions this makes me think of. Like one is, will you check and see videos that perform really well and be like, oh, like, let me think of more topics we can do around this. Or does that not really dictate, like, do you, do you use YouTube's analytics as like a feedback loop at all for what content you'll create in the future? Or is there any part that you're just like, no, we, like we leverage these ideas from elsewhere. Like where are the ideas, I guess, sourced from now that you've, because it makes sense, right? Like when you start, you're doing, I, like it makes sense. Sounds like you started with the product. Um, and then you, ex- when you, your first expansion out was around YouTube at like still keyword research, SEO stuff related to YouTube. Um, so very closely knit. And now, like you said, you all cover like a much broader scope. Like if people kind of want to learn around search marketing, I guess, in general, they're going to come across your content. So now that you're in this like broader phase, bringing the most awareness to Ahrefs and kind of educating on your industry 
you know, most comprehensively, where are the ideas being sourced from for this? Is it still, is it still stemming from like, are you doing keyword research in Ahrefs to stem these in these videos? Are you looking what other videos are popular? Are you listening to customer feedback? Like where are the ideas coming from? Yeah. So keyword research is no longer really the focus of our strategy anymore. Although there are like, you don't really need to know or do keyword research to know that topics on chat GPT are going to be popular. Like everyone knows mm. that it's all the rage. So a lot of this comes from Twitter. So if I see someone posting something, if there's something that I disagree with, sometimes I'll, I'll post something that's a little bit opinionated. So an example of that is everyone was saying like, oh, you're going to lose your job soon because um, SEO is dead because of, of uh, uh, generative AI. And I disagree with that, um, at least not any time in the near future. I don't see it dying. And so I posted something about that. Like, will ChatGPT, Bard, whatever, kill SEO? And I think that video, it's been like a month and I think it has like 130,000 views or something, which is a lot more than what we normally get on, on topics like that. So there's that. There's also uh, looking at comments, mostly YouTube comments. So if people ask a question, I'm like, hey, that's a really good question. Why didn't I address that? Hmm. And sometimes if it's a big enough topic, then I'll create it on that. Uh, I like looking on Reddit because... Um, Reddit, everyone posts pretty much anonymously, like people don't use their real names, they don't use their real avatars. And so they feel a little more confident in the things yeah. that they write about. And so I like to see what people's raw thoughts are. And sometimes I want to uh, challenge them. And other times, uh, if they are saying something that may be an unpopular opinion, I want to amplify that if, um, yeah, if, if there's reason to. So I can't think of an example. I'll give you an example, actually. Uh, the idea of topical authority in SEO. Uh, I have a video on my list. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it yet, but it's everyone's talking about topical authority in the sense that you cover a certain amount of topics on uh, a certain amount of content on, on a topic. So if you have golf, you cover everything in the golf niche. Like you might do putters okay. first. And so you talk about everything related to putting you interlink all of them and then Google's going to see you as an authority and they're going to help you rank higher. Um, I, I don't think it's as simple as that. And so the idea that I was going to publish was that topical authority doesn't exist. Um, and so, and basically to argue that in the video and yeah, some people are going to be like, Oh, you're dumb. And that's all good. Like that's the whole point, right. Is to bring a different perspective out there and to create a discussion. And I think, um, I think that's, kind of where the future of of YouTube is going is around audience creation. And I'm starting to see that more even in, in B2B, where um, I didn't see that in the beginning. It was more just people wanted the information that I have. And how does that apply to what I want to do and need to do? But now I'm seeing things a little bit differently. Yeah. it's You said something too that I think is important to underline for listeners, because this is not... Um, it's still surprisingly not the mindset I think of most B2B companies, which is you learned early on that YouTube, I mean, naturally it makes sense, right? Like now Amanda Natividad, others are talking about zero click content, right? And keeping mm -hmm. content natively on the platform. But you found early on YouTube, like not surprisingly wants to reward you for keeping users engaged with your videos and not leaving somewhere. So this is something too, <clears throat> do you think there's like, What's the mindset or can you speak a little bit to the mindset if companies are thinking about leaning into YouTube this year and trying to do something like what you've done for their vertical, um, 
can you speak to like the mindset of like, you're not asking for like, thanks for watching this video, come to our website and sign up, you know, for the product. Like what's the mindset shift they should be prepared to? Because it sounds like it's very like, you are going all in. Like a lot of people are talking about the risk of like building an audience that you don't own on another platform. You're all seeing an amazing reward from that, but it is very different than I think a lot of B2B marketers are still thinking about because you're really trying to say, we want you to stay here. We want you to hit the subscribe button and we're just going to keep feeding you the stuff that you want here. Yeah, so I think it comes down to the question of, do you believe in your product? And, and so for me, prior to joining Ahrefs, so I joined in 2018, I was a customer, a paying customer for three or four years. I had never spoken to anyone at Ahrefs at that point. So it's just, I really love their product. And so when I joined, it was a natural transition. Basically, I was just talking about the things that I had been doing with Ahrefs, which I wasn't sharing with people before. Um, and it became like, I, I don't know whether people converted through my own personal content, but now, now that I was representing Ahrefs, I believed in the product. So I don't think I've ever once pitched our content or our product and said, go and sign up for a new account today. Like it had nothing to do with that. I don't, I don't think I've ever said, go and um, check out our landing page. Or um, I might've said, go and like, if you want to do what I'm doing here, you can sign up for free at like for Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. But the way that I see it is, and I think, I think Tim and Dimitri, our CEO has also played a huge impact on my mindset in just believing in the product. Because if people see what I'm doing and they want to do what I'm doing, they're going to go and search themselves for what this guy is using. They're going to pause it and they're going to look at what I'm doing, maybe zoom in, put it full screen. What's this tool called again? And they're going to go and search for Ahrefs. Um, if I say keywords explore, like, so what we don't even link to our products in our descriptions, even if I'm using them, which is perfectly natural. I can be like, sometimes I'll say the link is in the description for our free tools, because the focus is on helping these people solve problems, at least for the search focus content. Right. And like, there are times where we get comments and they're like, what was the tool called? Or you said that you would link to a free, to free tool, but you didn't. Then we'll respond to the comment. Here it is. If they care enough, they'll ask for it. If they care mm. enough, they'll go and do it because the product is there. The product is good enough. And when you change that mindset of, oh, like I need to make sure there's a CTA, like, and I need to make sure that it's early on because people are going to bounce before that. Like, no, just, <laughs> just show them what you have, show them how it solves the problem. It's one of the many solutions. Um, in my opinion, I still think that what I teach is the best solution, whether I work at Ahrefs or not. And when you believe in the product that deeply, I don't ever feel like I'm trying to sell anything. And even though there are people, there's always going to be trolls in the comments that are like, oh, he's just promoting his own product. I'm like, it's not <laughs> even my product, dude. It's just like, this is what I would do, whether it's whether I'm working here or not. And I'm at the point now that I don't feel like I need to defend myself to these people anymore. It's just, it is what it is. Hey, just a quick interruption. In past episodes, you've heard guests give advice like, the first step is just like actually measuring and monitoring, right? Which sounds very fundamental, but a lot of companies don't even do that, right? If you ask for like, hey, do you have a monthly kind of report of like what's happening in the funnel? It's like, oh, well, we have this over here and we have this over here and we have the traffic data and GA. So the first thing I think is like build out, you know, a presentation uh, that you're updating every single month. Or... 
it's way easier if you have all this stuff being centralized somewhere and can look at it. And I promise that's completely unprompted. We try to book smart B2B leaders and learn how they're driving more predictable growth, and they end up sharing advice like that. And Databox makes it easy to do all of that and more. You can track your marketing, sales, revenue, and CS performance all in one place. It lets you build custom dashboards and view metrics from over 80 tools side by side. You can schedule PDF reports that automatically update your data in real time and send to your team or your clients. You can even set up custom Slack alerts that alert you when you hit your goals or when numbers spike or dip. If you want to try it totally free, just go to databox.com or click the link in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah, I think you all have a really beautiful combo of like internal expertise, pure belief in the product. And like you said, like you loved and used the product beforehand. So it's like natural to evangelize. The the thing that you're, what you're saying is making me think of is Seth Godin, I've heard multiple times kind of criticize this element where that people tend to have where, you know, like they'll ask uh, Stephen King, like what, what, you know, typewriter, what pen do you use or like whatever, like, like they'll, the person who they view as the expert and the person that they want to emulate, like wants to know like what tools you're using. But in this case, that, that psychological dynamic really works in your favor. And I think that's true for like, I think that, you know, like if Databox were to all of a sudden go all in on YouTube, right. And we taught on using data to grow or driving predictable performance through data. I think we could just, I would take the same approach as you. I would like use our tools. Make, you can use anything for this. You could use Google Sheets to track this. We just find it's easier to use something that lets you track it all in one place. And like people will go look at what that is and see what it is. And most people, especially like when Ahrefs is like the publisher of the video, they're going to know right, that it's the tool. So I think sometimes this is something that's easier that marketers just need to like get over and believe in. Um, Absolutely. One, so th- my next question on this was going to be, um, I guess my last question on the content side um, any tips or things that you've learned to hold attention? It seems like if this, it seems like length is something I see talked about a lot. Like, have you learned anything about like the length of the videos? Has there been anything that you've learned over time of like drop-off rates or like, um, do you, do you, have you learned to structure scripts in a certain way that like, we're really going to hook them in in like the first 30 seconds? Like I know a lot of, for, again, from talking to Tim um, in, in one of the prior episodes, you all seem to be like heavy, similar to Basecamp on like the the art like the art side, like we're just going to experiment and kind of lean in and do what feels right. Um, but it, has there been any lessons you could share around how to actually make content that people are really engaged in once you've kind of identified those educational topics? Yeah. So like we don't aim for a certain length ever. So if the video is four minutes, it's four minutes. If it's 10 minutes, it's 10. If it's two hours, it's two hours. And we have content at all those different lengths. So for example, there's a uh, a video that I made called how long should a blog post be or something like that. And I think, and I think I repurposed that from our blog, which was like 1800 words at the time, which would translate into around a 10 minute video, 10 or 11 minute video. And in my head, I'm thinking, I don't need to talk about 10 minutes about how long a blog post should be. And I think it ended up being like three or four minutes at most because I had to present data and and such things like that. And so a lot of it comes down to, does my audience need to know this? Not want to know this, but need to know this. And Hmm. who am I creating the content for? Am I creating it for bottom 99% or the top 1% that might tweet at me and say, oh, that was such a good point made by Sam. Or do I want 99% of the people to just understand and to be able to get something out of it? And so one of the greatest um, 
insults that people give to me, which I see as the greatest compliment is your content is too beginner. And I love that because that means that whatever topic I'm talking about, if we're talking about link building, anyone who's done link building before knows that it's not basic. Like it is very, very nuanced. And when I hear that compliment or when I hear that insult, I guess, um, I feel like I've done my job. I feel like I've, I've reached the majority of people that need to hear what I have to say. And those are the people that are, you know, people who come in and, without the mentality of like, oh, I need something advanced in order to progress in my career or in my site or whatever it is. Those are the people that are going to do best. And I get lots of emails uh, from like people like that who just say like, hey, like I watched your, all your tutorials and I've been able to go from college to now senior level market or whatever it is. And I'm doing well. Uh, one person wow. commented on one of our YouTube videos who was apparently homeless before. Um, I don't know how how accurate this is, of course, because, you know, these are just avatars, sure. but um, he or she was explaining how that happened. Now they have their own apartment. Like, it's not like, oh, they became a multi-billionaire, but like, hey, like I did this, I built out my niche sites and now I have a home and I feel like I'm living for something. And like, when I hear those things, it's like, yeah, like that's how content should be created. It should be created for these people that aren't necessarily going to comment and give you all the praise and make you feel great about yourself. Like you're some super smart marketer, but just people who are going to use your product. And that's what ends up happening is people use your product. And at the end of the day, our goal as marketers, as B2B, B2C, whatever, is to uh, bring in money from the company, right? And the way that yeah. we do that through content marketing is uh, by being genuinely helpful. And I'm, I've seen it work very, very well for, for Ahrefs. For many clients that I had in the past, it's always been content. And now that we live in like a content first world where we literally have content everywhere, like at the tip of our fingers, like you might be in a Best Buy looking at a product, reading Amazon reviews, like everything is available everywhere you are. And so creating content that is helpful, I think is the way to go rather than to obsess over like, oh, like this study shows that, you know, you need to create videos between eight to 10 minutes to have the highest probability of ranking. Like, Correlation is not causation. And so I don't think people should obsess mm. over things like that. I love it. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, it makes me think there's a lot of overlaps, I think, between like podcasting that and that like there's every, I've heard so many people express there's this ability when you get into a podcast that you like, if anyone's, you know, like listened to a podcast for a while, just there's this like weird nature of being in someone's ears for like 30 minutes to an hour a week that they begin to feel like they know you almost. And I think I've noticed like I'm I'm a big YouTube watcher. I go there for education, I go there for entertainment. And I think um a very similar thing happens. And it's one of the reasons why, like, I think it's even less susceptible to AI disruption. Like, even if there are video tools that can spin out like a talking head and doing whatever, mm -hmm. I just can't see like ever wanting to engage with a video like that. I mean, I I guess never say never, but like there's an element to like, I want to get to know Sam and Sam's my teacher on all things search and, you know, dr driving revenue through search. And there's like a trust level there. I want to know what tools Sam uses. I want to know how Sam thinks about this so I can learn this as well. And it's kind of like um, all the imperfections, all these like, yeah, there's some minutes, some videos are seven or eight minutes when they need to be some minutes or three minutes when they need to be. Um, there's something there that just feels really like it helps you connect with your audience in a way that other mediums can't. Um, and they get to know mm -hmm. the faces by it like humanizes your brand almost, which I think is a really sure. powerful thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, 
Let's move on to publishing. So this is a, just a couple of questions here. It feels to me, I mean, I've been kind of watching these trends take place on YouTube for years now. Um, and it feels like you, you've been able to watch on like consumer side things. Um, the, the quality level has raised significantly. Like the bar has been raised significantly for quality. Um, I know Tim mentioned when he was on, he said at the time, like he's a fan of helping the team, like just ship the first one or two and kind of like see what traction looks like and then work on making it good over time. You now, again, are like a premier example of this, the thumb, like even like the detail in the thumbnails, like you, I think you have, you and Tim have this thing where you like rib each other and like, like there's a video, there's a one thumbnail of like you holding him like he's a baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I forget like what, what video it's for. So like, but it it's like when I watch, um, you know, like these unboxing videos that do like tech reviews or like even these comedians that move their their stuff to YouTube, there's like sets and good lighting and good backdrops and the quality is good and the thumbnail, like it feels like a real production. Do you think that stuff increasingly matters? Like, is that a, I think YouTube is like a lot of B2B companies like, are like, yeah, we can ship a podcast. No problem. It's just a microphone. Uh, and maybe aren't aware of some of the work that goes into it. But for YouTube, there's this perceived hurdle now and increasingly like the quality is getting better and better and better. Do you think that's something that companies should really put stock into and really like only commit if they can level up or should they start small? Like, what are your thoughts on the impact of where, where the bar is as far as quality now and the impact on growing subscribers? Yes. So I think there's a certain expectation now. So today, 2023, um, and it's, you're right, the bar has definitely gone up. But I also think that's not the main thing that will attract people. Like a lot of shorts, for example, are recorded with their iPhone. A lot of creators are now just using iPhones, like 13s, 14s, and they're able to create very high quality videos. Um, so I don't think it's most, I don't think it's necessarily the the production value in terms of the equipment, like the lighting that you have. If I were to invest in one thing, it would be a microphone because bad audio just sounds bad. Um, and then the camera, like all this stuff you can buy for relatively cheap now. So it's not as expensive as it used to be. So today, my current setup, um, excluding my camera. So if we were to downgrade the camera, uh, would probably be like maybe like three grand. Like it's not okay. crazy. And you can, and that includes a camera that's just a little bit lower quality that most people wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's not so much about the equipment, but I think a lot of it is just, uh, just about the content itself is like, does this content actually serve the people that I'm trying to serve? Um, so yeah, to answer your question, not so much. It's like editors from all over the world can be hired in an affordable way. Um, equipment, not so much. Finding good talent is tough. Uh, that's something that I've been trying to do now for like two or three years. Um, other than that, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's possible for like, there's a low barrier to entry now and you're seeing it more in different spaces. Like in the SEO space today, there are lots of different channels that I'm actually watching as potential competitors because mm. yeah, they're, they're producing great stuff. And four or five years ago, there was literally no one or there was very few people like I can count them on like two fingers kind of thing. Yeah. I think that also underlines like the importance of putting a face from the company consistently behind the videos, because if you're if you make them too, you know, brandized, like 
then the the viewer's choice is do I want to learn from you know Johnny this guy who I know who's just an independent creator and in my mind has nothing to sell me so there's no brand bias there right. versus like okay all these talking heads right like so it's that's another th- you know reason why I think it's it's important that um companies follow like similar to what you've done not that other people can't do videos I know you have other team members doing them but there's consistent faces that they're seeing um yeah yeah what steps like, have you I think taken having somebody Sorry, I, I think I think somebody have, having somebody in house is actually ideal for B two B companies. Um, it doesn't always work out. Like I've seen some other B two B companies that have in house creators who have been there for years, and their channels just not gaining traction. Um, and there's there's other reasons why that might be. So it's not necessarily just the face, but I think for at least for me, um, I'm grateful that the SEO community has accepted me. <laughs> for for who I am and and um and yeah I feel like that's turned out well overall and yeah if it happens I guess like there are certain people that that want to do YouTube to to build their personal brand and when I first joined that was something that I was interested in was building my personal brand so prior to joining Ahrefs and it basically like when you join a company that has the reach of Ahrefs it just amplifies your personal brand like crazy even if you don't try and yeah it's it's wild what can happen when you join a company like that and become the face of that company on YouTube is yeah your personal brand just grows really quickly even if you don't want it to i actually think you know something you said there too it gets at like one of the biggest hurdles which is you know is not camera quality or good lighting or whatever but is a company being willing to take one of their senior most people that is a real thought like a subject matter expert on this topic and give them significant amounts of time and ability to like do this. It's the same thing with podcasting. Like I think a lot of companies, one of the hurdles is it'll be like, okay, let's have the content manager do this. And it might be like a a B2B SaaS for like education or something. And it's like, this person's a content like marketer. Like what are they, like, they're not going to be able to hold conversations on deep subject matter expertise with like educators, you know, in the university space, whatever, like you need someone who like understands university educators talking. And I know this is something Chris Walker talks about and shares a lot about is like a lot of people that I've heard come to his show and ask questions. It's like, uh, who do we get to do this? Like, who do we get to be the person behind YouTube or the person on the podcast? Like, ideally it should be like you VP of marketing. Like these need to be people that are, um, really expert at what they do, really good subject matter experts have the ability to talk through this. But I think that's one of the biggest hurdles is a lot of companies are like reluctant to, it's like, well, this takes up a lot of time. Let's just have, you know, like the content person do it. And it's like, it's just, they're not yeah. going to see the same results with it. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that more in, in B2B companies is that the hosts of podcasts of YouTube channels are often CEOs. And yeah, I think the more that happens, it's like, you'll see like a lot of it is, I think is shifting towards personal brand. And so when CEOs do that, they already have somewhat of a personal brand, not necessarily a CEO, but somebody who is senior within the company has a personal brand. And oftentimes they can use that and leverage to actually grow the company's channel and it grows out. So yeah, it, it's an interesting dynamic and and I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but uh, at least for me on YouTube, um, yeah, like, like I said, we have the SEO content, um, like the tutorials and it, Ideally, we'd like to find somebody who can who can help with that. And yeah, we have some good prospects now, but then there's also like the more thought leadership contents, the opinion pieces, and I guess uh, the crazier stuff that you might see on some channels. Um, 
I think that's where, where at least for me, that's where I'll be focusing my content. So yeah, lots of different things that we're working on and, and hopefully they'll come into fruition. Awesome. Um, okay. A couple rapid uh, specific questions. Cause this is like what I know listeners love is like, uh, they're not necessarily the most exciting, but people who are trying to emulate you or like want to take similar steps, want to know this stuff. Um, as far as uh, like you mentioned, content buckets, like when you have ideas, are, are all ideas equal held in a spreadsheet somewhere and we're going to get to all of them? Are you scoring them? Are you grouping them? Is it like, oh, this, this is, these are videos that are, you know, directly tied to that. We're going to showcase like how to do this using the product. These are more philosophy videos. These are more like, do you bucket or categorize them? Or is it just like, nope, this is a good idea for a video. And we'll just, we, we try and ship all the ones we can and we see how they do. I think when I started, I was much more organized, so I did group them. And then eventually it comes to a point where you have this huge bank of topics and you never ever end up getting to any of them. So oftentimes what I'll do is I'll look at this bank of topics like every few months and I'll just be like, is there anything interesting on here? Is Does anything excite me as I go down this list? Usually the answer is no. And so I find that my best writing comes out when I'm excited about a topic. So one was that hot take on will um, AI tools uh, be the end of SEO? That was something that I was really interested on. And I was kind of just ranting as I was writing things. And then eventually you put it into something a little bit more polished. Um, so yeah, I don't really group topics necessarily. Um, it was a, a good way to start like product centric. What is the business value of these? And for us, we score business value on a scale of zero to three. Zero meaning it has, like, you can't mention your product, no matter how hard you try. Three meaning you can't not mention your product in this topic. So for example, mm -hmm. keyword research, like how to do keyword research, we have to mention that you have to use a keyword research tool because yeah. that's just the way keyword research is done. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's something I love. I love that uh, kind of flexibility to be like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff I could do in here, but like nothing really excites me. And I think that probably comes through, like these are those things that probably come through in the video and in the quality of the content when you actually are picking things you're really excited about. Um, from a high level, what have there been any steps other than just trying to like create, you know, you're good at finding topics people are talking about, right? Keyword research kind of is Reddit, Twitter, like ear to the ground listening. So you're you're listening, you're getting direct feedback from your target audience about what they're interested in. You're making informative quality. It's as long as it needs to be, and you're shipping it. it have there been any other steps you've taken to grow subscribers um, over time? Like, do you embed these things on your blog? Does that help drive extra views? Um, have you ever used YouTube ads to like pay to boost any of them? Um, yeah, any steps I know listeners are going to want to know, like, is it just a matter of shipping great content? And kind of waiting and, and hoping and praying or like, are you promoting these videos somewhere as you go out? Are you leveraging any opportunities to grow it? Yeah. So like good content is prerequisite. So you'll, you'll, you have to ship good content in order like you have to earn the subscribe, the subscriptions. Otherwise they're not going to watch our other content anyway. So let's just assume that that is needs to be there in terms of more like tactical things. Uh, something we did in the beginning was we embedded uh, our videos into blog posts that were already getting a lot of traffic. And so we would create a video and it would be a direct repurpose of that blog post. And we would put it right after the introduction. And since that page is already getting visits, um, then naturally some people who prefer video, I think we would just say something like prefer video, watch the video here. And then people would click through, some people would subscribe. And with, you know, the traffic that Ahrefs had at the time, um, 
yeah, that was definitely helpful in, in getting subscribers. Um, what was the other part of the question? There was something about. Yeah. So is it, um, yeah. So, uh, paid ads, like, did you pay to boost them at all? Yeah. Yes. So that was the other part was paid ads. So before, like for like three years, I ran YouTube search ads. Um, and I think we were only paying, like, it was crazy. I tweeted about it before, but it's like, we paid like, I don't know, $300 a month to amplify as many videos as we wanted. And we would get like thousands and thousands and thousands of views, but these are high retention views. So basically like if the retention of our video was, let's say on average, people were watching it for like five and a half minutes, then we would just look in YouTube analytics, look at the search terms that we were ranking for. And it shows you what the average view times are for those search terms. And then we would just bid on those exact search terms. So even if we were ranking number one, you would see our YouTube ad and then our actual video. So now we just consume instead of consuming like 33% of the uh, of the fold we now consume 66% of it and so it was just a way to almost guarantee the click to our video and if somebody searches for affiliate marketing and they see our ad and it says affiliate marketing for beginners and they click it then they're going to watch for like eight minutes and it's like this is the stupidest like tactic that you can do but no one's doing it and then I published a video on it and then more recently I think within the last two or three months YouTube said that they are not going to let you bid on specifically search or something like that. Okay. And so then I had to turn off the ads because now our retention times drop down to like eight seconds because they're just mass sending it out to everyone. And our ad spend went up to like eight grand, nine grand on one video. And so it just didn't make sense to do it anymore for the purpose of what we were doing. So basically we were just bidding on high retention keywords. And naturally if they're watching for a long time, they're likely to subscribe and the content earns that subscription and that subscriber continues to watch our future content as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Um, all right. My last question, I want to be respectful of your time and make sure we, we wrap at a good time. Um, how are you thinking about, I mean, I I'm asking this question more for listeners. I feel like I, I know how you're thinking about ROI, but like, is there any way I feel like listeners are going to going to want to know, is there any way that you're proving business value? Like you guys have a very, like your CEO is totally bought into this like methodology and to doing things that are more about quality and don't need to be like perfectly tied to like one video equals this many signups or dollars. Right. Um, other people uh, don't have leadership teams that function that way. So is there anything you're doing that you are kind of tying like is it all is it all leading metrics saying like yeah we've you know we've scaled to four hundred fifty thousand subscribers this is how many views we've gotten for the brand and around our education and that's that are there ways that you are able to like measure the impact of signups or of revenue or is that not how you think about it at all so it's kind of not how we think about it but it's um we do track two things so one is revenue is revenue going up into the right Sure, we can't isolate that, that. Yes, this much is from YouTube. We can't do that. Um, but what we have is in our registration form, it says, how did you learn about Ahrefs? And one, a lot of people say YouTube. And sure, they're not necessarily all my YouTube videos, but they are, it's YouTube in general. And in most of them are my videos. I think, I think we get around four and a half to five million views per year um, to our videos. It's impossible to watch our almost any of our videos and not know what we do and what we sell and how that can actually help you. Yeah. So if we're getting, let's just say on the low side, 4 million views in a year and 
like that many people watch a view for like on average, let's say, I don't know, four minutes, you can't not be exposed to our tool. So common sense says that some of those people are definitely going to be signing up. And if we look at the registrations and we're to plot them on a graph, and I used to plot this on a graph, the number of registrations uh, from YouTube. And like, literally it was like this, like it was vertical. Um, whether those people are telling the truth, I don't know. But yeah, you know, like we don't need to get so technical with it. Is is It's more, is the trend up and to the right? Revenue yeah. is up and to the right. People saying that they discovered us through YouTube are up and to the right. Feedback for our YouTube channel, all positive. Well, not all positive, but mostly positive, right? Like we know that common sense says that, hey, people like our YouTube videos. People are subscribing to our YouTube content and we're not like publishing some random meme clickbaity content. It's literally contents like how to do a technical SEO audit. And yeah. then that entire tutorial is basically how to use site audit in Ahrefs, how to do keyword research. Three of those steps is using Keywords Explorer. Like you can't ignore that. And naturally people are going to want to use it. They're going to want to try it and you have to sign up to do that. And so a lot of it is just commonsensical. And when you look at the, the grand scheme of things, so the general trend of registrations, rev revenue, and the actual number of views to these videos, and you actually look at the videos that are getting views and you're like, wow, these are all very high business value. How could people not sign up for our tool? If this many people are watching, it's impossible not to. Awesome. Last question. If a VP of marketing, head of marketing uh, is at a B2B company is listening and they want to get started, like they believe in it, they see the opportunity, their category is kind of untouched on YouTube. What advice, any piece of advice for them as they look to get started this year? The category is untouched. It's a little bit tricky because are people actually interested in watching what you sell or topics related to what you sell? Um, trying to think of an example here. So let's say, for example, online courses, right? I don't think that's a huge topic on YouTube, like specifically online courses. And so in that case, I think it makes more sense to go shoulder. Um, so for example, you can go into uh, making money online, blogging, like all those things that are actually related to it. Um, and then creating that content strategy around it. I think one other thing that I wish I had known when I was starting is that is to think of YouTube as series. So if you think of Netflix, when Netflix publishes a new show, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to just publish the entire series all at once, like 12 episodes, season four of whatever. And then you watch the first episode, it has a cliffhanger, you watch the second, third, fourth, and you end up binging this content. If you can create that effect for tutorials, if you can create that effect for B2B topics, then naturally you're going to be bringing in an audience. It's not about getting four, five, 10, 15, 20 million views per year or whatever it is. It's just, are you serving that your target customers? And if you are, then they're going to convert. And then the easier problem after that is how do we expand out to other people? And that's when you start thinking shoulder. And so I think it makes sense to make sure that you can get your content down, right? Because if you're focusing on this huge elaborate plan to go shoulder, but you don't actually have the expertise to do it, like nothing's going to happen. It's just serve your customers first, that they're the easiest ones because you have the most information about them. You can talk to them uh, and then make sure that you're able to serve, I guess, a broader audience and then you can go shoulder to scale. And so, yeah, I guess that's what I would do.
Awesome. Sam, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this. Like I said, if anyone's listening, we're going to link to Ahrefs uh, YouTube channel in the show notes. Is there anyone you want people to go to follow you to engage with what you all are doing? Where do you want to point them to? Just go to YouTube and search for Ahrefs. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Keep it simple. Thanks, uh, Sam. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.